if you are, well, let me say this, about, I don't know, 10 or ten or so years ago, we had, uh, we, well, we've had the Isaacs, that, that group you just heard a couple of times, and and when they came, they did that song one of those times, and my mother said, when I pass away, I want that song at my funeral, and so uh, that question that statement turn question is, has been on my heart for well over a week now, and and I knew that, that that song was going to be a part of this service today because in this life we focus so much on our flesh and things of our flesh, but we, we don't really think about or pay a lot of attention to our soul. And you know, your soul is the only thing about you that is going to Always live, whether it's in a, a wonderful state or a pitif- pitiful, pathetic state. Your, your soul, in heaven or in hell, it's the only thing you've got. And we, don't, we don't give a lot of attention to our soul. We do things that make our flesh feel better. But we don't do a lot about our soul, and so... I want to talk to you about that for a minute, and this, I guess this kind of goes along with it, but if you are, if you are 50 years of age, are you close to it, whether you ask for it or not, you're going to get an AARP piece of mail, membership, card, trial membership, and if you are a person that goes through your mail, you, you're going you're gonna to get a bulletin, an AARP. It's not a, they don't call it a magazine or newspaper. It's called an AARP bulletin. Well, me and my wife both qualify, believe it or not, to be in this club. We are in this club, and yesterday piece of mail came, and I didn't see it, but Angie brought it to me, and, and, I, and I'm going to bring it to you right now, because the front page, this just, I mean, we got it yesterday or Friday, this is what it says on the front page, uh, maybe David can help you out a little bit, it says, how, special report, uh, how we can beat fraud. And it's just got this guy holding up his finger with his, his fingerprint being outlined. And Angie said, um, there you go. It says, experts tell how they and you can prevent scams and catch the scammers. So there's a little more of the article on page 8. Um, now, some of you are going to go home after church before you eat, and you're going to dig yours back out of the trash can. You are going to do that. And I'm going to tell you what it says here. It says, you probably already have a cell phone that you can unlock with your thumbprint. You might even have a cutting-edge device that recognizes your face in place of a passcode. Increasingly, biometric data that recognizes your body, your voice, or even your habits are replacing passwords in an effort to make our devices and online accounts more secure. For example, 
Online financial brokers, including Fidelity and Swab, now allow customers to access their accounts over the phone using only their voice. Computers can distinguish uh, unique vocal sounds and speech patterns, and other forms of biometric technology are on the horizon. Even your heartbeat, read through an electrocardiogram on a smartwatch, could soon be used as a unique personal identifier. Now, I know where this is gone. A lot of people say, well, I, I know where this is going. I know where this is gone. And some of you that choose to believe the truth, you know where this is gone. And this is why I want to um, talk to you about your soul for just a minute. Because even among the most dedicated of believers, we still only pay a fraction of attention to our soul. In fact, don't even take my word for it. And I'm just going to ask you to uh, don't even consider non-believers. You spend this next week talking, whether it's people at our church or other churches, just in general conversation. You see how much of the conversation is geared toward things of heaven or a person's soul and how much is geared toward um, worldly things or carnal things or, or things that's just about life. I guarantee you the odds, if you pay attention, will astound you. And you, you've got to know that I saw, I saw a pathetic picture yesterday, I believe it was online, and I didn't even read the article because I, I, I know what it was about. It, it was a parent, it was two parents, and it looked like about a 14 or 15-year-old girl, beautiful. And then it showed, um, it showed a picture of, of what happened when a suicide attempt went wrong, and it showed a picture of this young girl, and she looked like, uh, if you've ever seen The Elephant Man, that, that's what her face, uh, because it, it, it didn't work. It didn't go through. And let me just tell you something. You can try to do all kinds of things to destroy your body, to escape what we all call is pain and hurt and remorse. And the, the other end of that spectrum, you can do all you can to please your flesh. Try to make you feel better. But I'm going to tell you, not at the end of the day. At the end of life, your soul will not age in heaven, and your soul will not age in hell. It will be forever with God. And all of the things that we think we know about heaven, or it will be forever in a lonely, burning lake, a fire that will never be quenched. And I want to tell you that the, the psalmist said in the 139th chapter of Psalms, I will praise thee 
for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Why is that scripture important, Opie? It's important because your heart and your flesh can and will fail you. If you live long enough, you'll say amen many times to that. Your heart and your flesh will fail you. And I don't mean to be funny, but I think one of the things that <laughs> I don't want to laugh, but I can't help but laughing. I mean, I've even seen it in men. But when women try to stretch it or staple it, and they all look like one villain at the end of it, the joker, but they still old. And you can tell when everybody has had an altering type of surgery. I don't care if it's a million-dollar surgery. Why are you bringing that up, Opie? I've had surgery. Well, I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling you there's one thing that you, you don't have to do cosmetic surgery on, and that's your soul. Your soul is going to live. And that is why you need to pay more attention to your soul. Your soul needs to be what you are mindful of every day. Because there has to come a time, church, when you've got to answer the question whether or not it is well with your soul. And I don't just mean you are ready to meet Jesus. So that means all of you that are saved, that were kind of just listening but not really applying, it's time to apply. Because you are going to run into something if you live long enough that you didn't even do or ask for, and it's going to affect you. It's going to have a tremendous effect on you. It's going to hurt you. It's going to... Uh, bankrupt you, it's going to do something, and, and it's going to affect you and even rattle your soul. And you need to know that in spite of what happens in my life, whether I'm blessed or whether I'm cursed, it is well with my soul. Paul said, I have learned whatever state I'm in to be content. And see, when it's well with your soul, it doesn't matter if you've got money or if they're about to come pull up and take every vehicle and tell you you can't live in your home anymore. You've got to be able to answer the question, is it well with your soul? Because, see, the devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy. And on top of that, Jesus Christ said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have it. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, what he was doing, he was serving up a good dish. You better watch out, son, because you'll fall off that stool getting happy. Jesus was serving up the first dish of what we call soul food. It's not chicken and collards and all that's really good, and I could kill it right now, to be honest with you. My half a gravy biscuit has done ran its course, and it was good, Sister Deborah, and I appreciate it. But that's not the soul food we're talking about, not collards and chicken and all that stuff. We're talking about stuff that will sustain your soul. I think one of the 
the worst stories I've ever heard in my life is that about a man who lived in the 1800s. Let me tell you about him. You, probably, you, may, you may know his story. On September the 5th, 1861, Horatio Spafford married Anna Larson of Stavanger, Norway, in Chicago. The Spaffords were well known in 1860 Chicago. He was a prominent lawyer and a senior partner in a large and thriving law firm. The Spaffords were also prominent supporters and close friends of evangelist Dwight L. or D.L. Moody. Spaffords invested in real estate north of an expanding Chicago in the spring of 1871 when the Great Fire of Chicago reduced the city to ashes in October of that same year. It also destroyed most of Spafford's sizable investment. Two years later, in 1873, Spafford decided his family should take a holiday somewhere in Europe, and they chose England, knowing that his friend D.L. Moody would be preaching there in the fall. Spafford was delayed because of business, so he sent his family ahead, his wife and their four children, daughters, 11-year-old Anna, they called Annie, 9-year-old Margaret Lee or Maggie, 5-year-old Elizabeth, Bessie, and 2-year-old Tanetta. On November the 22nd, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on the steamship Ville du Havre, their ship was struck by an iron sailing vessel and 226 people lost their lives, including all four of Spafford's daughters. Only his wife, Anna Spafford, survived the tragedy. Upon, uh, upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to Spafford beginning, Saved Alone. Spafford then sailed to England, going over the location of his daughter's death. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul while traveling on that journey to go meet his wife at the location where he thought the ship sank and his four daughters sank with it. Later on, he, he had more children and he had a son to die at three years of age of uh, scarlet fever, I believe. But the good news is, they finally wound up in Jerusalem. Uh, he and his wife adopted a teenager named Jacob Elihu that they called Jacob Spafford, who was actually born in Ramalia in a Turkish Jewish family. And four days shy of his 60th birthday, Spafford's birthday, he died of malaria and was buried in Mount Zion Cemetery in Jerusalem. Now, I don't even know how I would live, let alone be able to hold a pen or pencil or something and write the words to what would become a well-sung hymn, It is well with my soul. What do you need to know about that story? You need to know 
that it's got to be well with your soul in order to survive something of that magnitude. As a Christian, you can tell me all day long, you know, I don't know, I'd make it. Well, see, the devil always tries to capitalize on tragedies and things that just come our way, that fell at our feet that we didn't ask for. And you've got to know whether it's well with your soul or not, not before you die, but before you meet your next uh-oh. Psalm 19 and 7 says that the law, and this is how to make sure, this is one of the ways. I don't want to just give you a, something to think about today. We, we need to know what is the solution here. The law of the Lord, that's this book right here. It's perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You've got to be able to know this, the song that the characters were showing a while ago. It's in Psalm uh, 42, verse 5, just says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you cast down? We know who God is. He's a rock. He's a shield. He's a buckler. He's a strong tower. He's a mighty fortress. He's a way maker. He's a healer. He's, he's a lily in the valley. He's the one that gives us peace in the middle of the storm. And see, when you know this, you can tell your soul. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret because it is God that is for us. Though the enemy come against us, it's God that's for us. Psalm 42, 1, all of you may know an old integrity song that used to be sung back when praise and worship music first was coming alive as the deer pants for the water, so my soul panteth after thee, O God. And there's one last scripture I want to read to you. Isaiah said this. He said, the Lord shall guide thee continually. And it's the Lord that will satisfy your soul in a drought and make fat your bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose water fail not. It's the Lord that will do it. I told you I didn't have a whole lot. I just got a thought that I've got to give you today, though. And that is that maybe you are a believer here today. First of all, let me go back and say, if you're not a believer, if you have not, let, let me explain, because see, this is Palm Sunday. This is when it was holy looking down the streets of Jerusalem, right before it became horrific looking. It was when they were waving palm branches and singing Hosanna. And then it was only a few days later they would all run or either they would get in with the crowd that would say, crucify him, crucify him. And this is so important today on this Sunday because we do, we talk about the cross, we sing about the cross. You need to know that it's the cross that not only is able to heal you what Jesus suffered on the cross. But it's the same cross 
that Jesus suffered on is where his blood was shed so that your soul could be saved from a devil's torment when you come to your appointed time. None of us had any idea that Jack would not be here this week. See, you don't always get to spend six months telling relatives by. And that's not even fun, so I'm not making light of that. If you've been in that situation, we've been in that situation. It's never a good time, and I understand it and I get that. But what everybody has to know is that you can leave this world right this minute. You can leave this world when you go home, and and all of us think that it, it never could happen to us. We never thought that we would hear about bombs or, or, or things going off at, at, at our schools around us and all these other kind of things that we've, we've been hearing and it's been a lot. And, you know, a lot of it's copycat and all that. But the point is, you could leave this earth right now. Those folks in Durham that went through that explosion and that are still suffering in people. You know, I, I, I think about everybody. I, I, I think about the family that's having to make decisions about Losing a loved one, all the people that were affected physically, all the people that were affected, it's their livelihood. And then I, I think about the poor people, the, 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 the poor man or group of people, the contractors that were going to work and never ever thought before they left their house that something would happen on their watch that would change the course of time for so many other people and they would single-handedly be responsible for lives being changed and lives being lost and, and, and making headlines. I'm telling you, you've got to be ready in one way or another for things that can devastate not just your life, but they can shake and rattle your soul. I, God just brought it to my mind. I remember Pastor George telling us just a few months ago about a man preaching in a, a very well-known church that he knew personally or knew of. The man had two uh, early service and then a, a mid-morning or later services. And in between both services, the man went out in his office, in his study, in between preaching both services, and he took his own life. It doesn't matter if you're a doctor, you got a Ph.D., or you, you, you scored big at seminary, or you know the whole Bible. You can quote the whole Bible. You've been preaching 50 years, and you've got awards, and you, or you've got a big church. or what. None of that means anything. Listen, there are things, because the devil is seeking. Everybody say that word, seeking. This week, children will be seeking. They will try to find eggs that are hidden somewhere. Satan is trying to find the egg in your life that he can take and he can use it to his advantage. And he doesn't care if it's a busted gas line or you've been uh, told you've got cancer. He doesn't care what it is. There's something in our lives that if we let the ball drop, or we let our guard down that he can reach in and he can make it bad and he can shake your soul. And you've got to know, I don't care how long you've been a believer. You say, well, I'm filled with the Spirit. It doesn't matter. He can shake your soul if you are not rooted and your soul is not built on your walk with Jesus and not just saying you know Jesus. You've got to know Jesus even when you don't say it with your mouth. Your body has 
has to mimic that confession because Satan is seeking the egg in all of our lives that he can find and says, "Uh uh-oh, I found one that will rattle them down to their soul. See, he did all these things. What do you mean? I mean, go back to the book of Job. He did all these things. See, he tried to shake him. With his flesh. He tried to shake him by taking his family. He has a Horatio Spafford story. In one day, he lost all of his children. Then he lost his whole farming business, all of his agriculture. And then after that, then it started. His wife said, you ought to just curse God and die. She turned her back on him. And then his body suffered boils. And then his friends came or I guess you could call them friends, and they came and antagonized him and questioned him about his walk. He said, listen, even though he slays me, I'm still going to serve him. That's the kind of soul you've got to have, church, because the devil is willing to touch your flesh. He's willing to touch your children. He'll touch your money. He'll touch your job. He'll touch everything that you think is secure and rock solid, and he'll do it. And if you are not built on a firm foundation with your soul, he will rattle your soul. He will. You've got to know it. You've got to know it. And you you can know it. You can know that my soul knows this very well like David. Now, let me tell you this. If you're not a believer, the cross is how you can make soul adjustments. You've got a soul. Doesn't care. I, don't, I don't care if, if you really buy into religion or Jesus or the church. You've got a soul. Do you want me to prove Okay, if you're a non-believer, if you are even listening today and you don't even buy the whole anything about Jesus, about God, you don't even believe in God, you know, there's a whole argument about that. Listen to me. I'm going to prove to you why everybody, even idiots, know that they have a soul. You might say, well, I thought those people were crazy anyway. It doesn't matter. Everybody believes people have a soul. They've built series and shows off of everything from the psychic network modern day uh, Ghostbusters I don't even have the name it starts with a P somebody tell me huh paranormal yeah there you go you got to be not so normal not to remember paranormal But they've got all these shows, and what do they do? They take all these lights, they go in these rooms, and and these meters, they try to detect what? Spirits. That's your soul. Okay, this is not a church thing. This is not a TBN thing. This is not a religious thing. I'm telling you, even the secular, God-denying world believes Everybody has a soul because they've made millions of dollars and they have big conferences and, and all these things a year where all these people go to Las Vegas or all to celebrate and look and, and all this kind of stuff. Listen to me. You've got a soul. You've got a soul. So what you've got to realize is that your soul, when your body dies, is going somewhere. It's going somewhere. And there's only two destinations for your soul. One is heaven. But one is hell. 
Now, I will tell you this. Hell was not designed, and you or nor, nor your soul was in the mind of God when hell was created. It was created for the devil and all of those that walked away from serving God. That's who God made it for. But if you deny God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, because you would not accept what Jesus did at Calvary to pay for your sins, you're going to have to suffer for all of eternity. And we, we don't even have the mental capacity to even process the length of time that is. We don't have anything to compare it to. You will have to suffer nonstop for all of eternity because you rejected what God did not just to rescue you so you could have abundant life now, but also to rescue your soul. You'll have to suffer. And it won't be God's fault. It won't be the Lord's fault. It won't be the church's fault. It will be because you chose to serve what your mind told you or what Hollywood told you or what the government told you. You chose to serve that. Or your soul will live forevermore in heaven. You just heard the band play it earlier. When we all get to heaven. And the key word you need to think about is not heaven, is all. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. So, if your soul is not prepared, it can be. And then there's somebody else in here called the rest of us. Maybe you're sitting in this place, or if you're watching us online, I want you to listen to me. Maybe you are here in one form or another. And you say, Opie, preacher, it's really not well with my soul. I'm a believer. I've been serving Jesus. I'm involved in ministry. I'm faithful in tithing. I pray. I read my Bible. But I'm telling you, I've just received news. I've been going through things. And it's not well with my soul. It's not really well. I hadn't told anybody yet. But I've re I want you to stand up with me. I, I, I'm really suffering. My soul is in a bad place. Everybody all over the building, if you would stand. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not at a place where I can say, yes. I've lost... Four dollars. I, I, I've lost my whole livelihood. I've lost my job. I, I, I've lost someone that was dear to me. I've lost something that's dear to me. And it's rattled my soul. God wanted me to talk to you today. And He wanted me to tell you it can be well with your soul. That same David that said what I told you earlier. He also said these words. He said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And see, your flesh can really suffer, and I know that. I will even tell you your mind. I sat and had breakfast with a man this week. Doesn't go to this church.
But I had breakfast with a man this week that when I have suffered emotionally, he's walked that same road. He's a businessman here in Scotland County. And we both have been there together. A very sweet, dear brother, friend of mine. And I just sat there and I just thought, God, thank you. Because God used somebody else to help me when my soul was rattled. And today, that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to use somebody else to help you. Maybe your soul's rattled. It's been way too much. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And every person in this building, you don't have a problem. You don't have a bit of pride in you this morning. You'll just say, Opie. My soul is just shaking right now. I don't know what to do about it, but my soul is just, it's not well. Will you just raise your hand for me? That's all I'm asking you to do, just raise it. As soon as you raise it, you can put it down. I want you to know you can leave out of this church in the name of Jesus by the power of the cross in an empty grave. You can walk out of here. And your soul can be in a lot better shape. If you raised your hand, I just want you to come this way and I want those of you that are willing to bear somebody's burdens walk at the same time and so nobody knows who anybody that raised their hand is. Would you just meet us all at the altar?